0: it's great to be here with all of you today and i am looking forward to just diving in to god's word and just learning together and seeing what god has for us today so if you can open up with me to book number six in the old testament the book of joshua chapter one i'm going to ask if we can all stand together for the reading of scripture so john chap or excuse me did i say john joshua joshua chapter one So Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to read this passage. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We have some ushers that have Bibles, and they're passing that out uh, right now. Would love to get a Bible into your hand. And so Joshua chapter 1, so we're going to read and then pray, and then I want to share a message that I've entitled, Be Strong and Courageous, a Call to Be the Valiant People of God. So Joshua chapter 1. And rather than reading the entire chapter, I just want to highlight a few verses from this first chapter. So let's begin in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. We read, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Then verses 7 and 8, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now dropping down to verse 16, verses 16 through 18. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses... Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever your command, what you command him, shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to gather like this as your people and to have the Bible in our hands and to be taught by you. Um, Lord, I pray that the things that you have Help me to understand from reading these verses. I pray that those things that you've imprinted on my heart, that i be able to share them in a way that people would hear it as if you are speaking to each person here directly and personally. Thank you, Lord, that the words that you've given to Joshua so many centuries ago still have relevancy today. And that there are things that you want to say to us that will nourish us and strengthen us to be your faithful people in the world today. And just even thinking about all these runners with this race that is um, happening right now as these walkers and runners are passing this building. I pray that there would just be something about what you're doing here in this location and how your presence is here right now that would cause people to stop and take notice that there is something unique, there's something special something powerful happening in this building right now and Lord let it, let it even cause people to want to out of curiosity see what's happening and be introduced to the powerful beautiful Jesus and I pray that we could display that to our communities, that we can display that to the people around us So thank you that you love us. Thank you that you know us by name. Thank you that you're pleased with us all because of Jesus. And I pray that all of us will glorify and worship you with our whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, my guess is that for a lot of us, this is not the first time that you have opened up to Joshua chapter 1. This is one of those great places in the Old Testament that I find that lots of Christians come back to again and again and again. There's a lot of great stuff that God says to this man named Joshua that we found encouragement and comfort from. But as I read through this first chapter of Joshua, there are three words that I think of that seem to summarize this chapter. The first word is transition. If you want to understand what's happening in Joshua chapter 1, one of those three words that you think about need to be transition. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, you have to think about this. Moses had been Israel's leader For more than 40 years. Then after his death. Israel's leadership transitioned from Moses to Joshua. Now earlier in Numbers chapter 21 and Deuteronomy 31. God appointed Joshua to be Moses' successor. And commissioned him to lead Israel into the promised land. So guys this was a historic moment. Moses, this is the only leader these people ever knew. This is the only leader these people ever had. And to them, Moses was their deliverer. Moses was the prophet. Moses was the lawgiver. And you know what happened to Moses in Deuteronomy 34? He died. The great leader of Israel died, and now you've got Joshua, Moses' assistant, becoming Israel's new leader here in Joshua chapter 1. So transition is happening. The second word I think of that sums up this first chapter is not only transition, but also instruction. Instruction. There is a series of commands that God gives to his servant, Joshua, and the first is found in chapter 1, verse 2. God says to Joshua, Arise, go. Arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, we know the backstory to Joshua chapter 1, right? God rescued Israel after 400 plus years of bondage. He sustained them through 40 years of desert wandering. And he kept his promise to bring his people into a fruitful land, which is to become their new homeland. And so in Joshua chapter 1 verses 3 through 5. God says to Joshua, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So what happened prior to Joshua chapter 1 is that Joshua and Israel had spent 30 days mourning the death of their former leader, Moses now it was, it was time to arise and go into that promised land and possess the possessions that God had given to Israel. So the first instruction, arise, go. Second instruction, in verse 6, we read the words, Be strong and courageous. Then again in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Then in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Now I want you to see that God repeated this same command three times here in Joshua chapter 1 verses 2 through 9. Be strong and courageous. So when God tells Joshua, hey, be strong. What he's saying is, be bold, be unrelenting, be unwavering. And then when God says to Joshua, be courageous, what God is commanding Joshua is, don't succumb to fear. Be daring, be valiant. The command, be strong and courageous, was a call to valor. Now, the dictionary definition for valor is this, quote, boldness or determination in facing danger, especially in battle, heroic courage, bravery. Another definition, valor is strength of mind in regard to danger, that quality which enables a person to encounter danger with firmness, personal bravery, courage, and proudness. You see, men and women who possess and exhibit valor are valiant people. These are those that are boldly courageous. These are those that are stout-hearted. And listen, the Bible is filled With real stories of people of valor. Men and women that were valiant. And Joshua is one of them. And these words, be strong and courageous. Listen, notice that this is the command that is repeated again and again. You know, this isn't the only time Joshua heard this command in the first chapter of Joshua. In fact, earlier in Deuteronomy 31, Moses spoke these words to Joshua. At his ordination, he said, be strong and courageous. And then again, here in Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 through 9, God says it to him. And then later, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 18, we're going to see that there's a group of people that come to Joshua, people from Israel, and they repeat the same words. And the reason why is because Joshua needed to hear these words more than once in his life. Do you find that true for you and me as well? Listen, every day we have to wake up in perilous times. Every day, the world that we walk out into, listen, it's not a safe world. It's a dangerous world. And there's enough stuff happening at home, at work, at school that causes us to feel that our knees are beginning to buckle. And it's only with the encouragement of God when he says, hey, be strong and very courageous that we find ourselves being able to face each day not as victims but victors in christ joshua needed to hear these commands more than once you see for joshua behind him his great leader died you see as long as moses was alive joshua felt safe but now he had to be Israel's leader providing strong, clear, and inspiring leadership for God's people. Man, when you've had a leader for 40 years plus, and now that person is gone, and you have to now fill those shoes, that's terrifying. That's intimidating. But not only behind him, but before him, there was a nation of people who needed a leader to lead them. Man, they were looking to Joshua and thinking, what's next? Where do we go from here? And then in front of them, there were enemies to fight. There was a land to conquer. And there was an inheritance to possess. And so Joshua heard the words, be strong, Because he felt weak and inadequate. He heard the words, be courageous, because he felt nervous and afraid. In other words, he was just like you and me. God, however, looked at this man who felt weak and inadequate. He looked at this man who felt nervous and afraid. And he saw a man of valor. And so it's important for us to understand the reason why God commanded Joshua be strong and courageous is, now don't miss this, is because God intended to make Joshua a man who was strong and courageous. You see, someone once said that with God's commands come his enablements, or as St. Augustine is noted for saying, In his prayer, command what you will and will what you command. And this was true for Joshua, and it's true for you and me. Guys, please hear me on this. God not only sees us the way we are now, but he also sees us the way that he's going to make us become. Right now, you might be thinking, here is a very fearful, inadequate person sitting in this room, but God sees you as the person that he is going to make you become. This is why God could look at a man like Gideon, who was hiding from the Midianites, and then the angel of the Lord shows up in his life in Judges 6.12 and says, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The guy was a coward when God said this to him. But you see, God was going to make this coward into a mighty man of valor. And so at that moment, he addressed him that way. Or to Simon Peter. In John chapter 1, verse 42, when Jesus met Simon for the first time, he said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. In other words, Jesus saw this man and he said, even though your life resembles shifting sand right now, I see what you're going to become, so I'm going to start calling you rock. I love the story of Michelangelo, the Renaissance artist, and it's reported that Michelangelo could see in a big block of marble what other people couldn't see. Other people, they just saw a giant piece of rock, but Michelangelo was reported saying, I see an angel in it, and I must set it free. You see, God is at work in your life and in mine the same way he has proven himself to be working in people's life again and again and again in biblical history. In fact, God is at work in your life and in my life right now. Even as we're assembled here together. And what he's doing, he's transforming us into the likeness of the ultimate man of valor, King Jesus. I love 2 Corinthians 3.18. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the apostle Paul wrote, We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Do you understand what Paul is saying here? He's saying that when we look into God's mirror... When you look into that mirror, what do you expect reflecting back at you? We expect, to, we expect to see our reflection, right? But in God's mirror, when we look at that mirror, you know what's staring back at us? The likeness of Jesus, the image of Christ. And we see that that image and then we look at ourselves and we're like, wait a minute, I'm a mess. How, how can that be The reflection, how can I see Jesus staring back at me? But what God is saying is that it is a sure thing. You are going to become like that. You are going to become the full likeness of Jesus. So instead of the reflection, trying to keep up with what we are now, God is at work in transforming you and me to become what's staring at us when we look in God's mirror. So the next time I come to the mirror, I see Jesus' reflection staring back at me, and I look at myself and I think, well, gosh, I'm still a mess, but hey, I'm a little bit more like the image staring back at me today. And day after day, we come back to the mirror, and we're becoming a little bit more consistent with that reflection staring back at us. In other words, God's going to finish the mission he started in your life. And you know what's so encouraging about that? It means we can never disappoint the Lord. Now, I used to beat myself up saying, man, I'm such a disappointment to God. But we understand, right, what disappointment is. Disappointment means failed expectations. But God doesn't have unrealistic expectations for you and me. He sees us in truth. Now, we can disappoint each other. But God sees us the way we are now, but he also sees us the way we're going to be when he's done with his work. And all he expects from you and me is to be people that are always needing more grace. And we're good at that, right? Guys, God is at work in your life, and you may be frustrated looking and Highlighting all the shortcomings of your life right now. But listen, God's got this. Remain close to Jesus. Allow the Spirit of God to do His work in your life. And you are in the process of becoming more and more like the image that stares back at you in the mirror. You will be fully like Christ. The third word that I think of when I read Joshua chapter 1, not only transition and instruction, but also affirmation. Affirmation. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 10 through 15, Joshua reminded the men of the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh of their promises to uh, Moses, to march with all Israel into Canaan and to fight alongside them to possess the promised land. You guys know, remember the story, right? These two and a half tribes, they liked the other side of the Jordan River, and that's where they wanted to settle. And they didn't want any of the land in Canaan. And so they asked Moses if they can camp out, if they can settle on the other side of the Jordan River. And Moses said, that's fine, but here's the deal. When you're When your family, when your brothers, when your nation goes in across the Jordan to the promised land to claim their possession, you guys need to go in with them and you need to fight alongside of them until everything is claimed, then you can go back to the other side of the Jordan. And these guys said, we'll do that. Now Joshua here is feeling a little concerned now that Moses is dead. Maybe these guys are going to go back on their promises. But these guys came back to Joshua and said, Don't worry about it, Joshua. We're going to keep our promise to Moses, and, we're, and this is a promise we're going to make to you. And then they said, Just be strong and courageous. So, in this message, what I want to do is focus on the repeated commands that are found in this chapter be strong and courageous and there's something I want us to all understand when God commanded Joshua be strong and courageous this command does not stand alone it's not just out there hanging on nothing but this command is tethered to four things it's connected to a confidence in the promises of God it's connected to obedience to the word of God It's connected to assurance of the presence of God. And it's connected to encouragement from the people of God. And these four things motivate us and move us to be strong and courageous people. To be people of valor. So let's look at how the command, be strong and courageous, are connected to these things. First, confidence in the promises of God. Confidence in the promises of God. In verse 6, God says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, and here's the reason why. For or because you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Do you see that there is a command and a promise Contained in this verse. The command is be strong and courageous. The promise is you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You see, God had promised Israel's forefathers that He would give them a land, and one day the Messiah will rule and reign in that land. That's a promise. God also promised to Moses that he would bring his people into that promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a promise. And now God promised to Joshua that the people will inherit the land. Now, because God is perfect in all that is right, and because God is pure from all that is wrong, that means that God cannot lie God cannot falter God cannot fail guys he is faithful and he is able to always keep his promises and I'll tell you he did did it for Joshua and he continues to do it for his people but guys this is like Sunday school stuff right This is stuff we all learn. We hear this again and again and again. But isn't this the one thing that we have to be reminded of again and again and again? It's the one thing we seem to fail to remember and remind ourselves over and over again. We choose to live in disappointment as Christians rather than living in promises. We choose to live in doubt rather than choosing faith. And I think that one of the reasons why we are constantly disappointed with God is because we're impatient. We're impatient to see how the story ends. Our life is like a book. And we're just in the middle of the book. We might have already lived out chapters 1 through 10, and we're in chapter 11, and, and during chapter 11, those are those crisis moments. Those are those conflict moments, and it's in chapter 11 that we're crying out to God, but by the time you get to chapters 12 and 13, you still don't see the, the resolve, the resolution, the answer, the response yet. So by chapter 14, we give up, even though there's still a chapter 16 coming. And chapter 16 is the rescue chapter. Chapter 16 is the answer chapter. But we give up in chapter 14. And that's why we miss out in seeing the fulfillments of God's promises. We give up too quickly. But it was at the end of Joshua's life. When Joshua hit those final chapters of his life before he went to heaven, that Joshua could now look back at his life with hindsight. In Joshua 21, 45, he said not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Only people that are willing to wait till the final chapter can look at their life and say that. He also said in Joshua twenty three fourteen, You know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. You might be speaking the language of the poets and the prophets right now. In the Old Testament, the language of the poets and the prophets was not why. It was how long. And you might be in that season of life right now where you're asking the question, how long? But while you're waiting for fulfillment, you got to get your eyes off the circumstances and you have to get your eyes on the faithful God who always keeps his promises. Because if you can see him... And you know that even though you may not see it now or 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you still know that the keeping of the promise is still coming and it's still ahead of you. And Joshua could draw strength and courage from God's promises. And being confident in them. He could advance forward with the full confidence that defeat and failure was not his final destination. He would inherit the land. And guys, this is a great application for all of us here. You know, like Joshua, we draw strength and courage from God's promises. You know, unbelief in God's promises cannot see past present circumstances. And if you let unbelief get a foothold in your life, all that will happen is that you will be paralyzed with fear and worry. Faith, on the other hand, faith in God's promises looks beyond the present circumstances to future fulfillments and results in strength and courage. It motivates us. It empowers us to not get stuck but to advance in fact here are three examples you know when satan tempts you with those momentary pleasures of sin that leads to a broken relationship with god it leads to guilt it leads to shame there's not one person that i've met that gave into these temptations to sin and say you know what my life is so much better because of it Now you might feel a momentary buzz but sin always makes promises but can never follow through with what it says it will do for you. What sin wants to do is convince you that the momentary and the temporary is better than what is lasting. But God it says, I've got lasting happiness for you. I've got a lasting, better way of living for you. So when we're tempted, what's the best way to draw strength and courage to say no to sin? It's not by just setting up rules and regulations. We need to replace our desire for sin with something better than sin. The way that you kill my appetite or craving for junk food is replace a basket of Tootsie Rolls with a steak from Ruth's Chris. (laughs) You give me that steak, and I won't even consider the Tootsie Roll. C.S. Lewis said that the problem with so many Christians is not that We desire too much is we don't desire enough. We think that sin is all there is and sin is the best. No, you have to replace your appetite with sin with something better than sin and God supplies his promises. God supplies promises of long-term blessing of spiritual health, fruitfulness, and joy to those who do as well. So when you're tempted with sin, hey, a great promise to run to is Psalm 1 verses 1 through 4. Where it says, oh, how very happy. That's what the Hebrew word translated blessed means. Oh, how very happy is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But this person's delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he or she meditates day and night. And this person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither in all that he or she does it prospers and the wicked are not so Are like the chaff that the wind drives away so be strong and courageous holding on to those promises when you're tempted to sin another area is when hardships and suffering tempts us to give up in despair and disappointment we all face that but it's then we have to remember God's promises of his sovereign and gracious intervention to bring good future outcomes for his people. Because whether you're a Christian or not, everybody has problems. It's not just Christians that have disappointments in this world, it's not only Christians that have broken dreams, it's not just Christians that experience cancer in the family. Or marriages that fall apart. Or that nagging boss that seems to have it out for you at work. That's across the board Christians and non-Christians. But what sustains us as believers in those kinds of situations is to understand that none of those are wasted moments in God's economy. Because a promise we can pull out is in Romans 8 verses 18 and 28 through 30 where Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy or worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In other words, think of a, a, a balancing scale. So on one side, you've got all the problems in life. And it seems like no matter what you put on the other side, it can never exceed all the problems we have in life until you put glory there. When you put forever glory there, then all of a sudden there's a tipping of the scale. And because of that, Paul goes on to say, and we know, that's assurance, that for those who love God And then there's that moment when you face personal death or the death of other Christians. How do we cope with death? This is probably listed on the top as the most frightening thing for humans, especially the idea of dying alone. But how is it that Christians for centuries were able to look at death strong and courageous? Because I remember my dad. I remember sitting next to him at Fountain Valley Regional Hospital, and he was transitioning from this world to his eternal home. And I saw him, his final seconds before he breathed his last breath, there was a look of strength and courage on his face as I whispered into his ears, go home dad, go to Jesus. He was drawing on promises. And to the very end, he was drawing on the promise of Jesus in John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. He was drawing on the promise of Revelation 21.4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. We can be strong and courageous even in the face of death. Because we hold on to these promises. Because people of valor are confident in the promises of God. But the second thing is not only are we confident in the promises of God, but there's an obedience to the word of God. There's an obedience to the word of God. In verses 7 and 8, we read, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God instructed Joshua to draw his strength and courage from meditation and obedience to God's word there's meditation. You know this word meditate, the Hebrew word that's translated to meditate in our English Bibles, it literally means to mutter. You guys know what it means to mutter, right? It's just to kind of talk to yourself quietly. You see this involves reading scripture but it involves more than just reading scripture. When the Bible talks about meditating on his word, this is Personal contemplation of God's Word. This is thinking and talking out loud God's truth to God and to yourself. The Bible teaches us to preach God's truth to ourselves. In fact, we need to preach it out loud to ourselves. It's like that illustration of a cow chewing the cud. This is supposed to be a repeated process because the goal of Bible reading is not just to go through scripture, but for scripture to go through us. It's not just completing your one year Bible reading plan. That does you no good if you do not make room for transformation. You need to take the time to pause and to think and to talk this stuff out with God in prayer, but also to preach this truth to yourself, to your heart, to make sure you got it. There's a lot of people that show up at church and they listen to great sermons, but their life is still powerless and dry. Guys, imagine a bucket of water. Take a sponge and you drop it into that bucket and you let that sponge sit in there for a while. When you pull that sponge out and squeeze it, what are you going to get? You're going to get a lot of H2O. And that is what our lives are supposed to be like. We need to make time to not just read our way through the Bible, but to marinate in it. To saturate ourselves with it. So that when the pressures of life begin to squeeze us God's truth comes pouring out of your life and mine. And that is how we're strong and courageous but not only to meditate on God's word but to also be obedient to God's word. This is the right personal and practical application of Bible meditation. It's this component here that determines the difference between the wise person who built his or her house on the rock and the foolish person who built his or her house on the sand. Both groups of people heard the words of Jesus, but the wise, they obeyed it. The foolish neglected it. And both people experienced the same storms in life, but one continued to stand while the other person's life collapsed. Guys, we need to make intentional effort to put shoes to our Bible reading. To not just listen to sermons or read through the Bible without marinating in it. And then to neglect it. Because in this neglecting, your faith will atrophy If you do not exercise your muscles on a physical level, you will need to go in for physical therapy, right? Because your muscles begin to atrophy and you will not be able to do what a healthy person should be doing. And some people look around at other Christians and they're thinking, man, if that's what normal Christianity looks like, what is going on with me? There's been no exercise. There's been no obedience to God's word. It's when we meditate, when we obey, that we see our faith deepening and growing, maturing and firming up so that we could look at all the situations and pressures and circumstances in the world and we can be strong and courageous in the midst of it all. But number three not only confidence in the promises of God and obedience to the word of God but an assurance in the presence of God assurance in the presence of God in verse 9 God said to Joshua have I not commanded you be strong and courageous and then listen why do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go You may feel alone in this life, but you're never alone. And it's important that we start believing that. Now we, out of our hurts and frustrations and fear, might accuse God for abandoning us, but here's the truth. There's never a time that He's abandoned you. Even when you've walked further and further and further away in your disobedience, away from the Lord, and you feel like, man, there is miles between God and me because I have walked so far away from the Lord. You know the beauty of repentance, the beauty of turning around is, is when you finally come to your senses and you hear someone say, hey man, you've gone this path long enough, just turn around and come to the Lord. You're thinking, but man, I am so far from God. It's been years since I've last talked with God. It's been years since i followed the Lord. Just turn around. Just go back to the Lord. And you turn around and guess who's right there? God. Because even in your disobedience, he hasn't forsaken you. Even in your disobedience, he hasn't abandoned you. And God alleviates fear with the assurance of his presence. He did this for Joshua and he does this for his people. In fact, this is the thing that God says again and again and again in scripture. Attached to the words, don't be afraid, is a promise, I'm with you. He said this to Isaac in Genesis 26, 24. Fear not, for I am with you. He said this to Israel in Isaiah forty three ten, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He said this to Joshua, or to Jeremiah. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And today God wants to alleviate you of your fear with the assurance that he's right here with you right now. God assures us of his continual presence. In Hebrews 13:5 God says I will never leave you nor forsake you. In Matthew 28:20 20, he says I am with you always to the end of the age. And who is this God who is always with us? So glad you asked. The God who is always with us is all powerful. Jeremiah 32:17. Ah, oh Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. This God says, I am with you. The God who is always with us is our Savior and Defender. Second Samuel 22 verses 2-4 through four says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised for I am saved from my enemy. This God says I am always with you. The God who is always with us is our sustainer. Psalm 54, 5 says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. This is the God who is always with us. And the God who is always with us, He loves us. Wow. All that other stuff is pretty cool. But man, the fact that He loves us, nothing tops that. In Jeremiah 31.3, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. This is the God who is with you right now. And he says to you, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What opposition stands against you today? Remember, the Lord is with you. What obstacles stand in front of you right now? Remember, the Lord is with you. What challenges frighten you today? Remember, the Lord is with you. And so like King David, we strengthen ourselves in the Lord and then we can be strong and courageous. Well, there's one more. Not only do we have those, the confidence in the promises of God, and not only do is there obedience to the word of God, and not only is there the assurance of the presence of God, but there's also encouragement that comes from the people of God. As we already read in verses 16 through 18, we saw that there were the tribes, the two and a half tribes that reassured Joshua that they would stand and fight with all of Israel as they went to possess the land and they said to him, hey, only be strong and courageous. And guys, this reminds me that we need one another. The Christian life was never intended, nor is it designed to be lived out alone. In fact, if you try to live an isolated Christian life, you are not going to be able to obey the majority of the New Testament commands. The majority of the New Testament commands can only be obeyed in the context of two words, one another. Look it up. Look at all those commands that God gives us in the New Testament. They all happen in the context of those two words, one another. And that means that we need to stir up and spur on one another to be strong and courageous for God. And I'll tell you, there is strength and there is safety in numbers, especially in the community of God's spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people. And the reason why is because the boldness we see in others, it challenges us, right? It inspires us to be bold. It's contagious. I'll tell you, I am so thankful for the people in my life I've been walking with Jesus for over 40 years. And I'm thankful for the men and women that God has placed in my life that has displayed strength and courage to inspire me and to challenge me to be someone strong and courageous in my walk with Jesus. And the majority of these people, they they didn't... Live lives that are movie worthy. Like no script writer is going to look at their life and say, Man, your life was so uh, amazing and exciting. Let's make a movie about your life. I'll tell you, one of the ways that I've seen older people show strength and courage, which another generation needs to hear their story, is by their perseverance and faithfulness in following Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years of their lives. You know, I used to share this with our young adults community up at our church. You know, when I hear young adults telling me, man, you know, we've got all these old people at our church, and man, worship, it it just seems to be dead. They're not, you know, basically, they're not like Hillsong. They're not like Bethel. They're just kind of quiet and reserved. And man, we just need more life. And, And I'm just looking at them like, oh, Christian who's only been a Christian for one year. Let's have the same conversation you're saying those people are dead and lifeless and passionless well. Let's have the same conversation after you've been walking with Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, and you've been to multiple funerals. You have had to deal with losing homes and having to pay the bills and raising the kids and now having to raise grandkids. And you've had to go through all those opportunities, the temptations to abandon Christ because life was falling apart. You've had to go through heartache and sorrow and pain, and they're still walking with Jesus. And you're telling me that they're lifeless and dead and boring? When right now we're having to deal with all these young people on social media that fires off like fireworks and popularity, celebrity, Christian leadership. But then all of a sudden, man, we're deconstructing our faith. I know I've only been a Christian for about five years, but I'm over it now and I don't want to follow Jesus. And so now I'm going to use social media as a platform to now just spread my atheism to everybody. No, I want to hang out with those that have been walking with Jesus for 40, 50 years. And listen, if that's your story, listen, you have a story to share with this next generation. You might think it's not an exciting story, but the fact that you still wake up every day in love with Jesus and wanting to follow Jesus, that inspires a generation to want to follow Christ for the rest of their lives. And the same way for you young guys, you young girls, we need you. Even though I've been walking with Jesus for 40 years, listen, my favorite thing is to do ministry with these young adults junior high, high school, college age students that are still reckless enough and their faith is big enough that there is no calculating of risks. They're ready to just dive into anything and do anything and go anywhere for Jesus. And that inspires me. I need both demographics in my life. I don't know how I would have continued these 40 plus years with Jesus if it wasn't for the people of God who inspired me with their words and with their actions saying, John, be strong and very courageous. Because we know the end of the story, right? Jesus wins. And we get to encourage each other that we are on the winning team. So parents... Inspire and challenge your children. Spouses, inspire and challenge your families. Church, inspire and challenge one another. You see, Yahweh spoke these words that we see in Joshua 1. He spoke them to Joshua over 3,400 years ago at 1406 B.C. And you hit that fast-forward button, and now here we are in 2022 A.D., and he's still speaking these same words to us today. Be strong and courageous. And those words were given to Joshua because God gave Joshua a mission and a task. It was to lead Israel into Canaan to claim her inheritance and establish God's kingdom in a land filled with idols and idol worshipers. In the same way, God has given us a mission and a task to be his image-bearing kingdom ambassadors in the world. And this is where it happens, guys. This is where we get to be strong and courageous. In our marriages, in a world filled with broken marriages. In our parenting, in a world filled with broken families. In our everyday places, in a world filled with lost and hurting people. Beyond our normal borders, in a world filled with people who are ignored, marginalized, and oppressed. Listen, the whole world needs the life-transforming gospel of God. And listen, we get to bring that to God, and you might feel fearful, you might feel inadequate, but God says be strong and courageous, not just because he wants to kick you out the door with those words, but because it's his intention to transform you into that. So like Joshua, and everyone who's come and gone before us, may we may we hear those words and be reminded that they are tethered to a confidence in the promises of God, obedience to the Word of God, assurance of the presence of God, and encouragement of the people of God. And let's live life out loud for Jesus. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.